0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert. We are uh, done with day two at the NFL Combine, the 2019 NFL Combine. Um, We're going to go over some of the things that we didn't get into in yesterday's podcast and also some of the news and notes from around there today as we got the last round of uh, head coach and GM availability and also got to get our eyes on some of these running backs uh, in their uh, national media availabilities and got to see them do their bench presses as they get ready to run 40s on Friday. Uh, before we get started, please, if you like the podcast, you like the frequency of these pods, you like us doing them from here out on the road, and you want them to continue you know, from here in Indy at the Pro Days at all of our various stops here in the offseason, please give the podcast a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. I saw a couple of you guys did it yesterday. Still, I don't think enough of you did it, because the fact of the matter is, I've looked at the number of listeners from the pod yesterday, and I only saw like two new reviews. So, please, go give us a rating and review. It takes two seconds. We appreciate you guys who did. Also, if you want more of these podcasts, you want to hear more Uh, Premium content from me and from Byron, from the Trash Man, from uh, various guests that we have on. Get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. We have a ton of awesome content and more coming to get you ready for... Best ball season, and of course, just to you know help you be the winning dynasty uh, league player, the winning the winning redraft league player uh, in your league, and that is something we will get done guaranteed with a pro membership at RosterWatch dot com. It's the best way to support us and let us keep doing what it is we love to do, which is keeping you informed. So, Byron, let's just get started. Uh, thoughts from today? I mean, general. I mean, thoughts. A bunch or- of
1: housekeeping from yesterday that kind of bled over into today, and a lot of it's going to relate to. Our fantasy running back situations as we look ahead to the 2019 season. And some of this is very important, uh, especially in best ball, where we are um, or we have ADPs that are sometimes wildly different among the running backs in these backfields. A good place for us to start would be with the Houston Texans. Uh, We were able to uh, question Bill O'Brien yesterday about the status of Deontay Foreman. I can let Alex fill you in on that. He was the one who posed that question. And today, in true roster watch form, we were able to circle back like a hound of dogs on uh, Brian Gain, the general manager there for the Texans, and fire away similar questions to him. And at roster watch, we're always looking to see what agreement or disagreement we might get in terms of. Uh, the responses from these GMs and the coaches with uh, really, you know, the same questions at hand. So, Alex, what did Bill O'Brien tell you about Foreman? So, yeah, of, Foreman?
0: Course, of course your boy went straight for the Deontay Foreman question before anybody else could ask anything else. And, you know, what Bill O'Brien said is, look, uh, he was good to – I mean, and we we knew this coming into the season. We love Deontay Foreman. He was one of our favorite backs in that whole class. I, I mean – I've been watching Deontay Foreman since he was a junior in high school at all these camps, you know, down in the state of Texas, and he said that he said that by week fourteen or so that he was back, he was ready to go. But by the time you get to week fourteen, it's like. I mean what are you gonna do how are you gonna insert somebody kind of back into the game get him into the flow of things it just
1: it just it was it, too late in the season for him to realistically contribute, yeah,
0: but he did say that he's that he's good to go he says as far as his ability he see did say you know he feels like the speed is completely back with Deontay. that was always a very underrated part of his skill set being such a big guy i mean he's a legit four four five runner he said the speed is back, the change of direction is back he's 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 going through uh you know his his movements and going through his um everything that he has to do free of any hindrance and that they haven't seen him being zapped of any juice, which is probably the best news because we don't really have any good test cases of running backs coming back off torn Achilles. Um, you know, we've seen it at other positions, you know, T- uh, Terrell Suggs, Michael Crabtree, but you look at the running backs who've come off it and, you know, the list... You start off list with like the guys like Mikel LaShore and stuff like that. You know, it's been tough to to come back from. But, you know, he said that, you know, he they're very happy with Deontay Foreman, where he is health wise, heading into the off season, and they're expecting him to be a big part of the offense in uh twenty nineteen. How that relates with Lamar Miller, I don't like did Brian Gain tell you anything today about Lamar Miller because I mean
1: Oh, he told me a whole bunch about Lamar Miller. That it was seems that like was a biggest takeaway from this entire Situation was that you asked about Foreman yesterday, kind of left it at that with Bill O'Brien. I circled back today, asked uh, Brian Gain, the GM of the Houston Texans, to give me his assessment of the backfield uh, on the roster of the Texans. And he, he basically said, Look, Lamar Miller is a three down back, he would have been a thousand yard guy. Uh, if it weren't something there at the end, or he might've said he was a thousand yard guy. I'd have to go back and look at his stats, but he basically basically said in their minds, Lamar Miller was a three down back who was a thousand uh, yard player for them last year and that they fully expect uh, Lamar Miller back. And then of course he kind of echoed the similar sentiments that Bill O'Brien had put out there about Foreman. And so uh, Brian Gain essentially said, it's going to be a committee backfield, but that Lamar Miller would would lead the Houston Texans backfield at least going into the season. I
0: just, yeah, well, I had Deontay not have torn his Achilles and had that little bit of question mark above him. They'd probably get, need to get off of Lamar Miller's contract here because I mean he's he's he he has a. Uh, there's a 7.2 million dollar cap it's, hit. It's next not year. what
1: Brian Gain said. People are only aware one of this, million, but dead. he shot that down pretty unequivocally today. Yeah, and it
0: was 973 yards. I think what Gain was saying is that if he would have played in all 16, he only played in 14 games. Yeah, there was
1: a couple games he said he would have definitely gone over a thousand yards. So and they view him as a three-down back, and it's not that egregious of a running back contract. I, you know, obviously. that
0: that offensive line is so bad in Houston, and Brian Gain was saying that they're really hoping for a step, big, big leap forward from Julian Davenport in year three. I can't believe they keep kind of leaning on that guy as their, their, big, their big project that they're hoping to well, come through. Well, there's a ton
1: of good offensive linemen in this draft, so teams like the Texans, the Vikings, the Cardinals, they really should be able to shore that position up at value pretty easily uh, here in just a couple of months, what was it, two months from now exactly. Not
0: and then, believe. you know, with Kiki Cutie, what we ask about that guy is just,
1: you know, I mean, they just say, look, he's got to stay healthy. They love him. And they think he can be a target hog, but they're very concerned about his durability. If he can
0: stay healthy, it makes me wonder if uh, – I mean, Kiki QT is the reason why I think in best ball we need to be taking Devontae Adams over DeAndre Hopkins right now. Because when, when you have Will Fuller that's been so efficient from a touchdown perspective with Deshaun Watson, I mean, it's just his splits in the games that Deshaun Watson have played are just so crazy. When Kiki Cutie's in there, man, like – when you get a guy that's, you know, some of these games, Kiki QT was getting 15 targets, you know, catching like 10 balls. And when, the, you know, the, that kind of volume, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that, you know, he's, he's the best, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league just from a, from a talent perspective. But, you know, he needs the volume for the way that he's used to be able to be, you know, the top dog as far as, uh, the top dog as, far as fantasy. So I think that with Kiki Q T, the fact that we could have him back, just really being a bit of a, a a guy that could break, we've seen. You know, he's a guy that can break off like a thirty three percent target share in a, in a game just out of nowhere as a rookie. It's 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 a little bit concerning for for DeAndre Hopkins, even though he's still a you know. A, and the a team t- obviously he still
1: likes player. Will Fuller. I mean, they think they're a lot better when he plays, and I mean, he's one of those guys that. Seems to make even DeAndre Hopkins a little better when he's out there on the field. Uh, another running back by committee situation that we uh, really sussed out yesterday was with the Green Bay Packers between head coach Matt LaFleur and general manager Brian Gutenkunst. And I was able to ask Matt LaFleur uh, what the hallmarks of his offense would be, what the fans might expect. Uh, to see differently under his offense than what they become accustomed to. <laughs> and, we, and we
0: talked about this yesterday, about how you know they're going to run. They're going to run. They're yeah, going to run. They're, and that, Jamal that, Williams that has the gonna, 183 they're ADP. They're going
1: to assemble that, that right. offense around the running yeah.
0: game. Yeah. Jamal has the 183 ADP. Aaron Jones has the 37 ADP. Those two are too far apart, even though – Aaron Jones is probably the better player. Just the fantasy community loves Aaron Jones so much more than Jamal Williams. And, it, honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It with, with With what they're – I
1: don't think Jamal Williams is a bad player. I mean, call me a Matt <laughs> Deutsch. I mean, he's not great. <laughs> I call you a Matt Deutsch. <laughs> well, speaking,
0: well
1: of, speaking of, speaking of, enough, should, we can't bury the lead. I mean, Marlon Mack was maybe some of the biggest news of the entire day yesterday. And I can't
0: forget – I can't remember if we talked about him on the pod yesterday. But if, if not, we should. I mean, they, they – the Look, Frank Reich says he absolutely sees Marlon Mack as the lead feature back in that backfield. Um, Chris Ballard says, uh, whenever I asked about him, said, look, we, we, we like Marlon Mack. Um, he, you know, I forgot what his actual rushing numbers were. What was it? Did he rush for like twelve hundred yards last year? Or well, something like that. That's just insane. Uh, it was,
1: I believe, uh, that's what
0: Ballard said. 12, is what 1200, was he? Twelve
1: hundred yard rusher. He said, that's well, pretty ju- damn good, let's right? Just,
0: let, let's just let's just look and see. Maybe it was twelve hundred total yards from scrimmage. Looks like it was no. So it was. Uh, he only played in twelve games. Nine hundred eight yards rushing. One hundred and three yards receiving. So he went over a thousand yards in in, in total yards from scrimmage in the uh, 2018 season and that was only over the course of 12 games he did miss four of them so they really like him moving forward and you know they were asked cloaked questions about Le'Veon Bell uh, saying you know if there was a running back out there that you know, was a big name running back who could possibly help the team you know was that be somebody that you would look to you know spend up on and he said well I know what you're trying to do so I'm not going to answer that question but he did say of course we're going to be doing anything that we can to um, to improve the team, and we're going to be aggressive about that. We all know that the Colts have all the cap space in the world. So, I mean, he, he did leave maybe the door open a little bit for Le'Veon Bell, but I do think that they like Marlon Mack and that, uh, look, man, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, they made it clear that the Indianapolis Colts are a team that thrives on competition. So it wouldn't surprise me if they brought some – look, it's clear, I think, after last year that Jordan Wilkins isn't going to be – too much of a factor, right? And Naheem Hines is going to be what he's going to be. I think there's he's going to be
1: like a Chris Thompson for them once they give him a little bit of time. It'd be plenty nice. There's
0: still such a. What does a dearth mean? A I think lack? A
1: dearth is a. Yeah, it's a, just it's such a dearth the of. Opposite of, of yeah, abundance. Right.
0: There's such a dearth of. Of, of receiving talent there outside of T.Y. Hilton that Naheem Hines could continue to get involved out of the slot I mean, all and all kinds of ways. Speaking of
1: big-time free agents and T.Y. Hilton and Ballard leaving the door open, he left the door open for Antonio Brown too right in, in a sneaky kind of way up there. But I'm still looking back and just examining the circumstantial evidence. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways I feel strongly about leaving Indianapolis this year is that Marlon Mack is the guy in Indianapolis.
0: Deion Cain, uh, there was the... Um, there was the. Um, the I, I asked, what did I, who did I, I think I asked both of them. Both I of them. asked about
1: Kane, I think oh, about and you Deion followed Kane. up on it or something. Something about him being a number two. Well, they, 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 they think the, he can be a number two. Yeah, no,
0: uh, Chris Ballard said, look, if, if Deion, Deion Kane was super impressive, you know, into in the, in the OTAs and then into camp, he was looking like he was going to be the number two wide receiver. He says if he hits the ground running in OTAs, like he was in camp before he got hurt, then you could be looking at a guy that's going to be our number two wide receiver. And he brings something different to the table than anybody else. So we've been, we've been beating this drum for a, for a long time about Deion Kane, that he needs to be somebody that you, you know stash and dynasty. We told you if you listen to the pro podcasts um, during the regular fantasy football season, you play in keeper leagues and you can keep guys that you pick up off the waiver wire late in the season. He was a guy that in a league that I have like that, I made sure to pick up in week 16 just just in case, you know, I'll be able to keep him for a 16th, 16th round pick there in redraft, and we could be looking at the number two option, a super talented uh, j- jump ball sort of red zone guy that brings something to the table that none of those other guys can. And uh, look, they get into they get into the red zone often, and with all the lack of receiving weapons they have there, we've seen even a guy like Eric Ebron, who's been so hard to depend on throughout his entire career, go off for, what, 13 touchdowns or something this year? So, uh, you know, plenty of meat on that bone for for Dion Kane if he can get back and perform in OTAs like he was able to be performing in camp before that that well, ACL he, blowout. He
1: essentially said they were super impressed with Kane that he's he's capable of, very capable of being a number two. But the jury's a little out because it's still a projection. Because they got to see how he comes back and and that they weren't they weren't going to rule out upgrading that position through free agency or the draft just because of Dion. Kane. So maybe a little bit of a bullet to dodge there, but I think, I think we're in pretty good shape if you're a Marlin Mac owner as the snow flores are starting to come down heavy really here on are. the west gate of Lucas Oil Field uh, as we're recording this pod for you guys after day two of combine availability is wrapped up. And, you know, another one that stuck out yesterday was uh, late in the afternoon. It was Mike McCagnan and Adam Gaze back-to-back at the podium uh, for the New York Jets, and boy, was it a barrage of Chris Herndon
0: questions. <laughs> it, it, it was so funny. Last night, we were watching back. What was that? Was that the Green Bay Packers, the New York Jets game? If you'd have stacked that game in DFS, I think the guy that stacked that in DFS won the won the milli maker. Uh, that was like a, that was a barn burner. That thing was like forty five forty five in the fourth. I think quarter. I had
1: a bunch of Darnold and Jets, in that one. But Aaron Rodgers went real big. And yeah, one
0: too. It, it was. Uh, Look, Chris Herndon is a guy who they love. And McCagnan when he talked about young players on that football team that they're excited about, there are some players like, you know, they've, they, they have guys like Jamal Adams. And the first player that came off of his lips whenever he talked about young players he was excited about was Chris Herndon. Um, not only that, Adam Gase, I asked about Chris Herndon first. Adam Gase said he considers him a unicorn. He says that he's a he's this unicorn type of player that you you know that he he was aware of even during his time in in, in Miami whenever they would be looking at this team and an up and coming player. But he said he didn't realize until he got there and started really diving into the film what a good blocker he is, what a good receiver he is, and how good he is after catch. He just said he's you know it's the kind of it's the kind of player that's just a dream come true for a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, and he sees that connection to really continuing to. Flourish so now we you know look at Chris Herndon um, who I'm getting in all the best ball drafts right now because we just have him ahead of guys with higher ADPs like Kyle Rudolph, Jack Doyle, Trey Burden, Austin Hooper, and Delaney Walker. I, I mean I think it makes sense, right, Byron? To to have Herndon above those
1: guys. Oh yeah, I'm very very bullish on Chris Herndon. He's a guy I've been. Targeting. He was asked about
0: three times by by people like or, who were close to the club and and so. Um, it was It was just, you know, Chris Hernan is a name that's sort of out there in the ethos, and people are talking about him. They're excited about him.
1: And then I know that Adam Gaze uh, gave a vivid description of his evaluation and assessment of Quincy and Nunwa and his versatility, how they'd like to get him involved, his run after the catch, his physicality. Didn't want to put him into the – stuff him into the Jarvis Landry box, but certainly uh, – sees some similar capabilities in a, a role that he's he's already uh, been very accustomed to deploying from his time down there in Miami. I think
0: we might have touched on this briefly yesterday because I remember we talked about Elijah McGuire.
1: He's a turn I don't, don't, don't like want to Let's not talk let's about Let's just move on anymore. to the next one. No, but but I did want to ask if maybe I missed their comments on Robbie Anderson t- because today we're getting the news that the Jets are going to tender, I believe it's like a second-round ta- second tender they will be applying – to uh, Robbie Anderson here uh, as free agency. Uh, the approaches. only mention of
0: Robbie Anderson was whenever, you know, Adam Gase was talking about the playmakers he had on offense. He said, well, of course you got the two wide receivers. And I stopped him right there. I said, what do you mean? Like Robbie Anderson and and he said, Quincy. I said, you know, I said, all, all, all right. So those are the two first guys that, you know, he mentioned as far as his offensive playmakers.
1: Which tells me that Quincy Noon was the guy to key in on there, just for so many reasons. A, we're not entirely sure Robbie Anderson will be back at this point, but he's kind of mentioning those guys right up in there together. And Anun was the one that you can get for free at the end of your drafts. And and look, if Sam Darnold can take a leap, uh, he's a he's a very good quarterback prospect. That could that could be big. Uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, was yesterday John Lynch came on uh, today Uh, the. Two questions I got to fire out to Kyle Shanahan were about Jarek McKinnon and George Kittle. Uh, Kyle Shanahan told me that it's absolutely time to immediately put George Kittle into the Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz conversation in this league because not only did he lead the league or set a record in receiving yardage for an NFL tight end, he said Kyle Shanahan, who's been in a, been in a family tradition of tremendous NFL tight ends, uh, that he's been around his entire life, he said that George Kittle is bar none the best run-blocking tight end he's ever been around. He's going to um, be on the field forever. So, I mean, I think anybody who's goosey about – and I, understandably so to be goosey It feels goosey weird taking him in
0: the third round.
1: George Kittle as high as those guys. Um, but look, we're going to touch on Dallas Goddard and how the Eagles are specifically having you know uh, discussions among their offensive staff, how to get him involved. I, I mean, you could you could consider taking – it would be aggressive, but I mean, I couldn't fault somebody for taking George Kittle even over a Zach Ertz at this point. Uh, And then of course, you know, largely a running back by committee uh, there in San Francisco and oftentimes under the, the Shanahan's uh, certainly wanted to ask about Jarek McKinnon. You know, the thing to remember about McKinnon is he got hurt super early last year. So they even though we saw some guys like Matt Breda kind of rear their heads and emerge this year, certainly felt confident leaving Kyle Shanahan's press conference. And John Lynch uh, corroborated this today, that Jarek McKinnon will have a crack. I won't call it to be the workhorse back, but they fully intend for him to come back and be the lead running back in this uh, for the 49ers this year. It only
0: makes sense. It
1: makes sense, but it's the confirmation you want given some of the uncertainty there. And, you know, I think it's kind of already baked into McKinnon's ADP. You're not getting great val- tremendous value on him, so you can at least feel uh, a little bit better uh, if you do pull the trigger on him in round four, or if you get some value on him round five in your best ball draft. Did you catch – I know that there was a question about Dante Pettis yesterday. I'm not sure if it was anything real revealing about that. Obviously, they like him a
0: whole lot. Yeah, well, they. I think they just. I'd have to go back and listen. I think that they just said that they're hoping that he takes the next step. You know, he needs to take the next step. I mean, he he, he was one of the first. He was one of the first wide receivers off the board last year.
1: I mean, they, like they 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 clearly like him. Jason Garrett. So we only get one interview from the Cowboys. They only they only send their coach up to the podium every year. So Jason Garrett. You know, he's such a nice guy. He won't. Really, he really. You know, it's
0: just you can ask him about you can like you even ask him about Cedric Wilson. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, Cedric Wilson.
1: He's always going to give you a glowing. You can ask him about anybody. Answer, but yeah, I mean, he did mention that he thought Michael Gallup had a really nice second season or a really nice rookie season, and especially there down the stretch as he settled in, kind of as that number uh, two over there. He went out of his way to say the Cowboys do want Cole Beasley back, which just doesn't seem possible there's no way um they're gonna
0: pay cole beasley with all these other guys that that they're gonna be due they need to pay amari cooper they need to pay i mean they need to pay on the defensive side of the football they need to pay they i mean what they they need to pay demarcus lawrence they need to pay ezekiel elliott they need to pay dak prescott I mean, how are you going to pay Cole Beasley? Yeah, I mean,
1: it shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to. And be we, and to we it would be interesting to
0: see we, we We have it from good sources close to that team that this just, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it'll
1: be interesting to see what Cole Beasley fetches on the open market. Maybe if that's a drier market than expected, they can... Well, we,
0: we've talked before with people sort of in the know, and they think that Adam Humphreys might get more on the open market than Cole Beasley, which I think is interesting.
1: But to the point about Cedric Wilson, he would be the guy that potentially replaces... Cole Beasley in the offense, he's a player that they believe has a lot of slot capability. This is last year's rookie out of Boise State, who had a pretty good senior bowl last year. Um, might be able to kind of augment that. position. And you can't forget, they're going to have, I believe, Alan Hearns. I know they may have a decision on him, but there's a chance Allen Hearns is going to be back with the Cowboys this year. So they've really got a wide receiver by committee situation shaping up and one that's going to be top heavy with, Whatever it is, Amari Cooper ends up getting paid. Um, really not a whole lot to ask else to ask the Cowboys. You know about Zeke. We find out today that Jason Witten is back in the fold. By the way, I mean, that's not a player I can get excited about, but at the end of my best ball drafts, so when I'm looking at uh, the Hayden Hurst and the uh, injured Tyler Eiferts and the Ian Thomases of the world who Ron Rivera revealed today will – Almost certainly being a time split with Greg Olson if, if returning this year. If Greg Olson doesn't get the Monday night football job well sure that would that would potentially be the opportunity that would take him away there. that's a good that's a good point. but in terms of what the Panthers are expecting, they expect Greg Olson back and that to be a split tied in position with Ian Thomas. So those are some of the guys you have to look at super late if you're struggling. Uh, deep at tight end for that tight end two or three in your best ball drafts, so all of a sudden I think Witten is like, you know, not a great option, but somebody you could take at the very end of your draft. He's a guy uh, yeah. only if you're taking them later. And then
0: on the best ball cheat sheet, we'll always say, if you don't get one really good tight end early, you know, you, you have to take three tight ends. And, so you know, one of these tight ends you're going to have to take is going to have to be, you know, just based on how everything's falling, you know, it's going to have to be one of these Sort of like Byron was mentioning, like the Hayden Hurst or the Mark Andrews, or I think Ian Thomas out of those guys. Oh, I get, I guy get excited like to, about yeah. a Mark
1: Andrews. I don't get too hurt about that one, but uh, it just gets thin, right? It gets thin, and all of a sudden, I mean, in best ball, I think you're going you can you're going to get a couple of a couple of performances you can use out of Jason Witten. Well, that does it for everything uh, from yesterday. Maybe a little rapid fire. Uh, from the few questions that we had today, it was a little bit more limited uh, media availability. I
0: mean, the, the, it's just what, it's it's Gurley, right? I fired out and asked McVeigh for the for the first the first question of his press conference. I said, Coach, what happened to Todd Gurley last year, and is he going to be getting any off season surgeries or procedures? He didn't answer me directly there. He basically said we thought he was okay. He was he took the blame on himself. He said I should have got him going more. You know, like he said there was just. Circumstantially, the way you know, and you know how McVay's mind works. It's like he he was saying like there was that there was that one play where he had the like he got the five yards, and then we, we like we got into a third and five, and you know blah blah, and you know we just we we couldn't get it going there. And then there was you know he, he was going through series by series in his head, talking about ways where he should have gotten Gurley more involved in the passing game, et cetera, et cetera. And then said, but as far as his health, we're, we we feel good about where his health is coming into the off season. We, um, we, you know, we, we feel good about him. I managed to go over to McVeigh because McVeigh is smart and he does like little off-record things off-podium with the local media. I went over there and listened in on that and one person tried to clarify for my question, saying so there is no off-season procedures or surgeries for Todd Gurley. McVeigh said no, which to me makes me a little bit worried that this thing is a little bit chronic and kind of, you know, something we're going to have to deal with that they're going to have to monitor. Lo and behold, Les Snead comes up.
1: Yeah, so as a, at, at Les Snead's press conference, he kind of gave us the second part of that answer. He said that Todd Gurley has taken a lot of wear and tear since the ACL injury uh, late in his career at Georgia, and that he's had an awful lot of volume in the NFL. You know, on top of that rehab from that injury. And, uh, you know, they evaluate him as a player that's got a fair amount of wear and tear in the last four, you know, years or so. And that they have to give legitimate consideration this offseason to uh, potentially spelling Todd Gurley moving forward via a Batman-Robin situation. Did he say
0: Batman-Robin? Yes. (laughs) And so is C.J. Anderson definitely Robin?
1: Well, Ron Rivera didn't think so, and I patronized him about that today because Ron Rivera was at the podium today saying twice that it is a priority for the Panthers to find somebody to start spelling Christian McCaffrey this year. And I looked at him cross eyed and I said, Well, then what did you make of what happened with CJ Anderson late in the season? And what did he say? He just bristled at it, and he said, well, C.J. did fine or whatever. But I turned over to the media guy, and I was like, was C.J. Anderson, the Panthers media guy, was he injured at all during this? He said, no. I said, yeah. so th- what, what the hell is Ron Rivera talking about up here that they need to find somebody to spell Christian McCaffrey <laughs> and that it's a pro- it's a priority? They had a guy on their roster that could have done it the entire year. They ditch him, and then he goes and does that same fucking thing for Todd Gurley, and now he's the robin. In Los Angeles, and now Ron Rivera scratching his head <laughs> trying to figure out who his guy is going to be. The only takeaway I can have from that is that the Panthers want somebody who is more interchangeable with Christian McCaffrey's skill set as the guy to spell him. So that would make sense. They want if Christian McCaffrey to
0: doesn't get the volume. To, I mean, and Mark Ingram's gone. Do you like Alvin Kamara better than Christian McCaffrey?
1: I mean, it's a super. If I know Mark Ingram is gone a hundred percent, I like Alvin Kamara more.
0: Well, do you like him more just with without knowing, just because no, there I mean, is that possibility? I, mean, I think
1: it's super. I mean, it's a coin flip. I think you can take either one of them at the, at that point. But we should expect. I mean, early. Uh, you know, it's good to maybe kind of be out on out in front of this idea that Christian McCaffrey may start begin to be spelled it makes sense right
0: you can't hand him the ball 30 t- times and then the other thing would be uh just back to the rams quickly you asked about cooper cup he's not going to be ready to go for otas it doesn't sound like but they are expecting him to be completely ready to go for uh, for camp and they and they like where he is and boy it's just mcvay just laid it out for us he said and just uh, he said that he's an i did what did he say? like an amazing player he just said he's, he's amazing. He's got an amazing and, work
1: ethic, and, and he's just such a good situational player. He said, player he's,
0: he, he, he said and, and, and you've seen it third downs, red zone. Yeah. He's, everything he's a, we've that's seen our guy.
1: from camp and everything. But I'll tell you, he didn't sound, he didn't thought he, you know, I'm not that he would admit this, but I kind of think Cooper Cup broke the offense, that injury. More than even, like, McVeigh is still kind of like, yeah, but we got Josh Reynolds. and I mean, he likes his entire core, but, yeah, it was good good to know that Cooper Cup should be back for training camp. Pretty quick turnaround for a guy who got injured, I guess it wasn't late in the season. I guess it was week, was, six what, week or eight, or something. something like that. So that's good to hear. Um, speaking of Ron Rivera, I did get to ask him about DJ Moore. Uh, they felt like they – have been doing a good job at evaluating where D, uh, DJ Moore excels and kind of putting him in position to succeed there. And, uh, you know, they obviously fair pretty impressed with his rookie year, so I kind of said, well, what was that evaluation? Where was he excelling for you guys? You know, what is what do you think he offers moving forward? Is he a number one for you all? And Ron Rivera says... Well, you know, there's different kinds of number ones. Are you a number one on the outside? Are you number one on the inside? Uh, Did you say you, know, you, should say you know, just was,
0: like targets?
1: And so, no, I wasn't going to patronize him anymore at that point. But he basically, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to be standoffish or not, you know, but he, he wasn't really ready to go to the point to say, like, DJ Moore is a big-time bona fide wide receiver one in this league but you know I, with cam newton back there and with the way that offense runs and the pass receptions there you know maybe i've been a little bit too high on dj Moore heading into his second year that just could be a little bit of an unreliable situation week to week there especially we still uh, got to monitor cam Newton's status uh tom telesco of the los angeles chargers was fairly dry today. It's funny. He used to be so much more of an open book up there. And a lot of these guys. They they become jaded and grizzled over the process. And, and they just become older, less tolerant men. Trust <laughs> me. I understand. And so my, he put the – they're very excited about Mike Williams. I think very realistically, though, and mathematically, he maybe tapped the brakes a little bit on a massive – Uh, breakout for year three because he just said, you know, we love Mike Williams. He's And and what we told you all from Kent, the thing with Mike Williams is that surprising is people put him in a box of an outside X receiver. He's actually sneaky, versatile, and can be moved around a lot. And so that's what they've really enjoyed about him. But he just said the bottom line is we've got so many good pass catchers that, um, you know, he said, I think Mike Williams can be an 80 or 90 catch guy, no problem. But we probably have too many – essentially we probably have too many mouths to feed for that to happen. So I, I would leave here today saying the over-under on Mike Williams' receptions on the season. I don't know what they were this last year or per game, but I'm thinking somewhere in the okay, 75 range. It, it,
0: it, wasn't, it wasn't too much. You put the over-under on 75, let's see what it was last year. Uh, Mike us pull it up, Mike Williams. And in 2018 for the Los Angeles Chargers – 43 receptions so even if he got to 75 range he'd be you know
1: not quite doubling it but be all right for best ball still right
0: yeah kind and i start mean to it, make him wide receiver uh, i mean, I mean and with and with mike williams i mean what do you he's a he's a he's a jump ball contested catch guy you want the touchdowns they talked about how they're still open to having antonio gates back we're gonna have hunter henry back so that that, that bites into stuff but you know 10 10 touchdowns last season
1: and Telesco, of course. I mean, we know Hunter Henry played, but of course, he at the end of the year he said Hunter Henry's a hundred percent and uh, he's ready to go and he'll be a full go in OTAs. And I think the last thing I got here was another tight end, and that was from the the uh, AFC North, John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns. I asked him uh, what his impression of uh, David and Joku's development was, and I think he's so sick of the Cleveland sports media's idiotic questions. That he that he's always got to bristle at, the, and and sometimes he's a little standoffish. I mean, he looked over at me, and his eyes lit up, and I could just see a sense of relief that he got to talk about a player that he kind of liked, and got to get off these other idiotic subjects. And he just said, "Look, <laughs> he's a he's a he's a very young rising player for us that I've been you know essentially very impressed with, and he's you know we're expecting a lot more from him, and he's going to be a pretty good player." So, I, and. Then I thought to myself, I was like, "Shit, I should have asked him if he thinks he can be like a Travis Kelsey because that's who he had in Kansas City." And so, then, fortunately, at the very end of the press conference, just by happenstance, by serendipity, after he'd supposedly taken his last question, he just happened to be staring right at me, and I just fired it out there. I said, (laughs) "I said, I said, John, you know, you got me curious now about David and Joku because that was a relatively positive assessment you just offered of him, and I'm just wondering." Do you, I mean is he a guy that can be a Travis Kelsey type player in this league? And what he say, Alex?
0: Well, he just said he just said you know what I'll tell you what you, I'll I'll tell you what he needs to do. He needs to improve in his run blocking. And he said you know what I'll just say it right now. I'll just I'll, I'll I, I will just challenge David Njoku right now and say you need to improve as a run blocker.